everybody. It's lovely to have you in church this morning. I do feel kind of guilty just uh, standing up and stopping all your conversation, um, which is lovely. It's lovely to hear you chatting to one another and uh, catching up on what's been going on and uh, uh, yeah, just enjoying each other. Um, I was reading in, in Proverbs this morning and uh, in Proverbs 19. I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying these Proverbs. Um, I don't know how you would preach them as such, but when you read them, I suppose just one of them would stand out to you. Uh, this one says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Proverbs 19, verse 20. So listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. And the reason that that, I think, is important for us at the beginning of the year is we begin to look at Joshua... Uh, he's in a journey, isn't he? He's, he's about to do something that, he, that is frightening, is uh, not easy, um, and God is giving him advice. God is speaking to him. He's giving him promises. He's giving him commands. And really what we'll find, I believe, as we go through is that we see that Joshua grows. He grows in his trust of God. In the end, he becomes wise, not because he's wise in himself, but because he listens to advice, and particularly the advice of the scriptures and what God would say. But it applies, I think, to all walks of life. It's good to listen to advice. And if you go to the beginning of your order of service, if you look in the first um, passage there, I want to just say, because this is what the Lord says to uh, Joshua as well, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're in a spiritual battle. We have a God with us, a God of grace. We're going to sing about God now as we stand to sing God of grace. Amazing wonder, irresistible and free. Oh, the miracle of mercy, Jesus reaches down to me. God of grace, I stand in wonder as my God restores my soul. His own blood has paid my ransom, awesome cause to make me whole. Who loved and knew me long before the world began, sent my Savior down from heaven, perfect God and perfect man. God of grace, I trust in Jesus. I'm accepted as his own. Every day new grace sustains me as I lean on him alone. God of grace, I stand astounded. Well, let's talk to God together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pause in the busyness of our lives and to consider who you are. And Father, we thank you that you are a God of grace, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve, that you do not abandon us even though we give little time and thought to you, and, Father, that you have given us many good things. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the talents that you have given to each one of us. 
Uh, we thank you for your love to us in creation. We thank you, Father, for your love to us, particularly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the beauty of his life. We thank you for his compassion and his kindness. We thank you, Father, for his words. As the disciple said, words of eternal life. And Father, we thank you for his determination. Because it was his love for us that kept him going, despite the persecution, despite the difficulties, uh, to the cross. And so, Father, we just simply want to give you thanks that you are this amazing God of grace. That, Father, that we are able to come to you even though we have sinned, even though we have rebelled, even though we have not done as you would ask us to do. And we're conscious of that. And we're conscious of the barrier. And yet everything about you says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, Father, we simply say that we're sorry, and we confess our sins before you. We ask that you will forgive us, And Father, that we will know that touch of your presence, that we will know that rest of relationship with you, that there will be no barriers, that we will be able to be honest, and that, Father, that you will touch us with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your gentleness and your faithfulness and your self-control. Father, will you fill us afresh this morning with all these lovely things that come to us by grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, so we pray that as we come today, we've been thinking about the wisdom of Solomon and the Proverbs. We've been realizing, Father, that when we take advice from others, whether that be advice in different aspects of life, but particularly this morning, advice from the Scriptures, advice from your word. We pray that we will become wise as to what you would want us to do, that we will live well, that we will be able to take the land in which you place us and that we will be able to think about that, the land of our families, the land of our work, uh, the lands of our neighborhoods, the, the lands of our sports clubs and our hobbies and the things that we do, that we will just be with you and know that you are with us. So, Father, we pray that we will learn much from you today, and we pray for all who will take part. We thank you, Father, for their willingness to do so. And so we pray that you will help us as a community of your people here in the center of Dublin just to know afresh the wonder of who you are and the greatness of your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Uh, Joshua is uh, an Old Testament book. Uh, It's page 216 in your Bibles that you'll find in the seats there. And I've asked Morgan if he will come and read uh, this first chapter to us. So Joshua chapter 1, page 216, I think, or thereabouts, Morgan's going to come and read. Reading from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, uh, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. It will give you every, every place, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. 
Do not turn, to, turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so will we obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, um, the children want to come up to the front, um, and I'll talk to you guys here. <laughs> Perfect, find a seat, that's right, good. Okay, so guys, today is a very good day because we are starting a new book of the Bible. And I hope you guys were listening to Morgan when he was reading, were you? Yes. Yeah, sure? Okay, good. So I don't know if you noticed, but the, the book of Joshua that we, were, that we were just reading, it's the first chapter of a new book, but it's not the start of the story. Because whenever we read about Joshua, there's a lot of things that have already happened that we need to really understand so that we can know what Joshua is talking about, what he's kind of doing, and kind of what his mission is as well. Um, and so we're going to have a look at that this morning. We're going to go back a little bit in time and see kind of what God has done, first of all, the history a little bit of the Israelites and how that affects Joshua. So, if there's one thing that I want you to remember, out of all the things I'm going to say to you, the most important thing is that Joshua trusts God's promises. Okay? So try to remember that, because we're going to come back to that at the end. So, Joshua is it's the sixth book of the Bible. So, as you can see, if you look at your Bible, we have quite a lot of pages here. So, there's a lot of things that have happened before that. And I've just talked about God's promises. And so if we think about what God's promises are, we need to go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, to Genesis, to a man called Abraham. And God made a promise to Abraham. Does anyone know what that promise is? Do you know, Allegra? Yeah, exactly. So if you didn't hear that, it was to give Abraham as many descendants as stars in the sky. So that was one part of the promise. 
And the other part of the promise was that he asked Abraham to leave his land and he was going to bring Abraham to the land that God would show him, to the promised land. And so this was a very, very important promise because God was going to keep this promise to Abraham's son, Isaac, to Isaac's son, Jacob, and all the way through, it's going to keep going until we come to Joshua. Um, whenever we move past Genesis, we come to the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus. And if you're not too familiar with this book, it's, it might seem actually that there's a bit of a problem because the Israelites, this nation that God had promised to Abraham, they find themselves in a very, very, very big problem. They're in slavery in Egypt. And basically their life is terrible. They're being forced to work and work and work. And some of them are even questioning, has God forgotten about us? And because of that, they cry out to God because they remember God's promise. And do you know what God does? He raises up a leader called Moses. And well, there's a lot of things happening with plagues and things like that, but to cut a long story short, Moses is able to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and onwards towards the promised land. But they don't get to the promised land quite yet because there's another period where they are wandering through the wilderness and God is leading them with Moses. God is out in front of his people in a pillar of clouds during the daytime and also a pillar of fire at night. And they spend quite a long time in the wilderness wandering towards the promised lands. It's about 40 years. And because of that, the people start to complain a little bit. They're getting impatient and they're forgetting what God has promised them. And this is one of the first times that we actually come to see Joshua because there's a very important story about Joshua and what he does in the book of Numbers, uh, which is the book just before Joshua. And so basically as the people are finally coming towards the promised land, Moses sends Joshua and some of the other military men out as spies into the promised land. And why do they go there? So they go there to see how the land is, if it's truly a land filled with milk and honey, as God has said that it was. They go to see the different people that are there. They go to see how strong these people are as well, because they're a little bit worried, you know, we're going to have to go into a promised land, we're going to have to fight these people. So we want to go and scout ahead and see exactly how strong they are. And then these spies come back to Moses, they come back to the people of Israel to give their reports. And you know what the report was? They were terrified. They were absolutely frightened, they were scared because they saw so many different people who seemed to be very, very strong. And they thought, no, there's no way that we can beat these people. There's no way that we can get to the lands that God has promised us. And out of all the spies that went into the promised land to have a look, there were only two people who weren't scared. So one was Caleb, and the other one, I'll give you one guess as to who it was. Joshua, exactly. Very good. So Caleb and Joshua, they said, yes, it's true. There's huge armies there. There's people that are very strong. But we remember promise that God has made to us, that God is going to give us this land and we trust in him. And so because of this, this faith and because they believed that God, God was going to keep his promise, then they were able to keep going towards the promised land. And actually, whenever we first come to Joshua here in chapter one, this is the moment whenever they're just about to cross into the promised land. And actually, out of all the spies that went there into the promised land to have a look and to see what was going to happen, there were only two people who were still alive, Caleb and Joshua, the two guys who trusted in God's promise. And so as we, as we look at Joshua chapter 1 today, um, we can see that there is another promise that God makes to Joshua. 
um, and that's in verse 9, which I will read to you now. Um, and this is God talking to Joshua, uh, just after he says that Joshua is going to be the leader of the people. And God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So even after all this time, after all the things that have happened, God is still making promises to Joshua and to his people. And what do you think? Do you think that Joshua obeyed the promise? Do you think that he did what God told him to do? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. So if we look into the very next verse, um, in Chabal, in verses 10 and 11, it says, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So just like that, God says, Joshua says, Yes, God, I trust you. I believe in your promise, and we're going to go into the promised land. So that's the one thing that I want you guys to remember about Joshua as you think about him today, was that he obeyed God's promise, that he trusted in God, and he believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And the great thing is that our God and Joshua's God, it's the same God. So whenever we read about the promises that God has made to Joshua and to the different people in the Bible, we can believe those promises too. Because as we've seen here in the life of Joshua, God always fulfills his promises. Amen. Amen. Very good. Um, so I think we're going to sing uh, Be Bold and Be Strong now, which is also about uh, God's promise to Joshua. Well, let's, uh, boys and girls, you're free to go. Uh, crash downstairs, uh, Sunday special and K2 upstairs. Um, hope you have a good time. It's great. Okay, folks, just to, well, firstly, if you're visiting with us, you're very welcome. Um, I, you, it is just lovely to have you. Uh, sign our visitor's book, do stay, talk to us, have tea and coffee. Um, it's lovely to have you with us. Um, if you've come back after the holiday period and uh, it's your first time back, a happy new year to you. And it's lovely to have you with us this morning. And we pray God's blessing on you all. Uh, so you'll see that next week we have, uh, we're going to just keep looking at the book of Joshua, and so we'll be looking at chapter 2 if you want to read that in preparation and come with questions and thinking, that is good. Um, I'm at the Irish Preachers Conference this week, which is down in Gorey, um, and I'm leading a group, um, so I really would appreciate your prayers in that, um, uh, and uh, yeah, just for all the people who will come to that as well. If you come to church and you would like to be prayed for, uh, then we have prayer ministry, and it happens here at this little table, as you know, and the folks will pray for you confidentially, um, uh, not give you advice in that sense, but just pray for you and uh, ask that God would really take your concerns on board. Uh, tea and coffee, Rhoda, there. I Firstly, just say thank you to everybody who does this. Uh, we're always looking for people. We've called it here an essential part of our ministry, which is true because we're a welcoming church. It's one of our five W's, and we want to make people feel welcome, and tea and coffee help us to do that. Uh, we do always need people to do that, so Ken is here. He's at the back there. Uh, you can talk to him. If you would like to be involved, talk to him or sign up. Um, there will be training available if you need it, um, or you can speak to the people who are doing it today, and they will tell you what's involved in all of that. But yeah, we do need people and we want to encourage you to get involved in that. In two weeks' time, you'll see in number four, uh, we have our breakfast in the morning. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, it's good, uh, lots of food, um, and you're very welcome uh, to attend that. It's a good opportunity for students and others who are here as well, um, and you can read through that as, uh, as well. But we'd love to have you uh, bring your friends. Uh, it's a welcome opportunity. Uh, World Development Appeal, just to say this is your last opportunity uh, to give that. We'll be closing that this week. Uh, so Farming God's Way, uh, helping people, particularly in Mozambique, uh, who are struggling and using new techniques 
uh, in their communities and within their churches to help their community. Uh, free will offering. Um, I was intrigued, actually, by the way. I was in my home church, which is Ballycastle, County Antrim. And uh, whenever it came to the time of the offerings, there's a big sign went up and it said, Ties and Offerings. And I hadn't seen that for such a long time, you know, tithes and offerings. And a tithe basically is a tenth. And it was an Old Testament regulation about members of the church. And so I bring that to you because really what I want to say to you, if you are a member of this church, then you should be giving. And you should be giving generously. Um, and you should be instructed by the Lord about your giving. So if you're not, uh, we want to encourage you to sign up to a standing order. Uh, Stuart is the person for that, or envelopes, uh, so that you put it in. Um, Corinthians tells us, I think it's in Corinthians, you know, to set aside each week what the Lord has blessed you with, and then give it to the church as well. So that's what you do with envelopes as well. So do think about that um, if you are a member of this church or regularly attend and want to be part of us in that way. Now, number seven there is interesting. Uh, 6.30, faith and work. Do you know I put that in thinking it was 6.30 p.m.? And then I read it again, and it's 6.30 a.m. Okay, so it's important. I mean, we want to see our faith lived out in the world. We want to see our faith work in our workplace. And Steve Vaughan, who leads a church just up the way in Sing Street Church, uh, Sing Street School, um, is very good at this sort of stuff. And Sean Mullen, of course, who uh, runs the Third Way Cafe, um, again, a Christian man who's kind of working out what it means to be a Christian in the community. They're running this course. The material is excellent, but it does start at 6.30 a.m., okay? Um, and the idea, of course, is that you're on your way to work. You're taking time to think about what it means to be a Christian on your way to work, in work. And it's a course that runs, I, you know, I haven't got all the details there, but if you follow the link, uh, you'll hear about it. There is a, a, a cost as well, but really that covers your tea, coffee, and uh, light breakfast as well. So if anybody does go, I'd love to hear how it goes. That means I'm not going, but there we go. Um, but it's lovely. You know, if you could go and you want to go, please uh, think about it. And we'll be looking at what it means to take the land. And I think it's something in that that we need to think about as well. So I leave that with you as well. Okay, so we're going to sing again, You Never Let Go. Um, and uh, we hand over to the worship group for that. Great. Well, that's a great thought, isn't it? You never let go of me. And uh, I hope we believe it as we sing it. Um, and so if you have your Bibles there, let's open them at Joshua chapter 1. And we'll have a look at this together. Um, I'm going to recap, in a sense, what Ethan has done already. And I won't take long over that. Um, because everybody has a story. I suppose I want us to get that idea in this introduction. Everybody has a story. Um, and one of the places that I find that out, regrettably, is at funeral services, and possibly your funeral service. Isn't that interesting? <coughs> and it made me think of it, particularly recently thinking about Mary Carson. And I discovered that Mary Carson was incredibly intelligent. And this, for those who are visitors or who don't know, Mary was an elder, a member of this church for many years. So she won every scholarship in Alex's school. She got a scholarship to Trinity in the 1940s as a woman. She got a first-class honors in chemistry when they were hard to get. And she served that community with distinction for many years. But that's not Mary's story, actually. That's what really struck me. She could have become, I think, anything in the academic world. She was so smart. But she chose to serve this church. She chose to play the recorder. 
She chose to be involved in the Natural Field Society of Ireland, and she actually wrote two books. One on the bog, apparently, in Booterstown, and one on the natural flora of the forests of Ireland. Because those were her interests and her story. And I was really just fascinated by that. And I only knew her for 11 years out of 79. That's her story. And you have a story. And the story, I suppose, ultimately is, I mean, how does that story relate to God? That's where I want us to think about. Because at this point in Joshua's life, he's not a young man. If you look in verse 1, you see that he was assistant to Moses. He had lived under the shadow of Moses all his life. He's been trained in a long and mature kind of way. Um, he's, been, he's seen God work miraculously. They defeated the Amalekites, a strong tribe. He was the commander, and he discovered that when Moses prayed, you remember the story in Exodus 17, when he rises his hands, they go forward. When Moses gets tired, then they're driven back, and so two people hold up Moses' hands, and they, they win. And he learned that God gives the victory. He was actually with Moses whenever they went to Mount Sinai in Exodus 24 and the giving of the Ten Commandments. And he saw an amazing view of what God was like because he saw the glory of God at that time. And in Exodus 33, which is a very powerful chapter, by the way, and uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has written a book on that in terms called it Revival, because at that time, Moses used to go into a tent and the glory of the Lord used to shine on that tent. And it was just an awe-inspiring kind of thing. And actually, if you look at, I think it's Exodus 33. I didn't look that up. Exodus 33 and verse 10, I think. Um, lovely little verse. Yes, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's important. So Moses spoke to the Lord face to face. And then it says, then Moses would return to the camp, and, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So Joshua was just taken by this. He wanted to be in this presence. He wanted to be where Moses was and where God was, and he learned. He also learned from his mistakes. Um, whenever they came, uh, they were talking about, uh, they, they had the gift of prophecy, um, and then others started prophesying, and Moses and, and Joshua said to Moses, Moses, tell them to stop. And Moses said, no, you're not the only person really here. If God wants them to prophesy, then you mustn't stop them. And so he was rebuked and he was humbled. And of course, as Ethan has told us, he proved himself as a spy uh, when he went in. And I do want you to look this up, if you would, please, just to look at Numbers 27. As we kind of finish this review of his life. And uh, because this is the moment that Joshua is appointed. Numbers 27, it's uh, before uh, Joshua, uh, Deuteronomy, then Numbers going backwards. Read from verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar, the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of Israel will go out and at his command, they will come in. So that's his story. We'll come back to some of this in a moment or two. And I think it's a challenge for each of us, isn't it? So what is your story in relation to God? 
Has God been teaching you things? Have you got a story like that? Or have you been, you've got no story with God? You've just always pushed him away. Have you had a moment of beginning? Hearing Jesus and obeying his call to repentance. Have you been discipled by your parents? By the minister? By the youth leader? And if so, did you learn the lessons? And have you prioritized the things of God, which I think is what Mary did, and which I encourage you to do as well, like Joshua? You have a story. Is it a story that God is at the center of? I think that's the challenge that we have. So we're going to go on, really, and look at this chapter now and uh, see if this works. I think I have a, I have a PowerPoint here, Peter. Okay, commissioned by God for action. Next one, just. Yeah, so we'll come back to that in a moment. So I think the big question here, folks, and this is the struggle that I've had, and you can question me after this as well, is how do we relate the events of Joshua and, and the events of his life to us? That's a big question. Are we all Joshua's? Are we all to conquer the land we step upon? It's a temptation, isn't it, just to simply transfer ourselves into his shoes. And yet we must say, I am not Joshua. I am not Joshua, and you are not Joshua. And the land is not Ireland. The land is Israel, but it's not. We are not to step out into this land and conquer it in that way. So what are we to do with this? That's important. What are we to do with this thinking? Because if we get it wrong... We can go in all sorts of wrong directions. Firstly, I want to say that Joshua was a historical figure. He was a real person. This actually happened. He's the beginning of the historical books. Ethan's writes the sixth book, first five, or the Pentateuch, or the you know the, that sort of Old Testament scripture. There now we've got the the, prof, the sort of history books coming. But also in Hebrew scriptures, Joshua is a prophet. He's called the first of the former prophets. And so it's a book that tells us what God has done and what he will do. It reveals to us the mind of God. And as such, it's therefore useful in teaching, and we can take the lessons and apply them to ourselves. It is my intention to keep a clear understanding that Joshua is not our leader. Jesus is. That is where this comes in. Because Joshua is equal to Jesus. His name is... means the same. It's the same translation in that way. And we need to keep skipping forward. Joshua is not the hero in this story. God is. God is the one who works. And Israel is not our land, but the kingdom of God is. And therefore, the kingdom of God is not located in any land. And you show that as well because you are Christians from all over the world. But the kingdom of God is located in the human heart. And the location of the kingdom in the human heart means that there is a community of God's people where Christ is their king. That's what Paul calls in the New Testament the Israel of God. And so therefore, folks, the application is made in our own hearts. That is the land. And this is the land. We are the land, and we are the community of God's people, and therefore our battle is against everything that sets itself up in opposition to God and his reign in our hearts. And classically, that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we need to be careful of how we apply this, and uh, we need to think carefully about that. So the other thing I want to say in, and I know there's a lot of introduction here, um, is that verse in in Exodus 33, 11 is actually very important. Moses would speak to the Lord face to face. Now that is an incredible statement. And I don't know how that worked, actually, if I'm honest. I haven't thought too much about it, but Moses was not able to see the face of the Lord. He was able just to see the tale of his glory, we're told, in, in that chapter. But it was a one-to-one kind of relationship. That is not the case for Joshua. If 
you were listening carefully to that passage, he was to listen to what the priest would say to him. He was to listen to the word of God. And so Joshua must learn to work from that perspective through the word of God, written and ultimately through the person of Jesus Christ for us. If you look at verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Not a prosperity gospel, but successful in what God wants you to do. So if we are to apply this to ourselves, we have a fuller revelation in Jesus Christ, who is the Word incarnate, but we are to listen to the Word of God and obey it as Joshua was. We don't see God face to face, but we see him in the Word, we see him in Christ, and we are to obey that Word. That is what we're called to do. And like Joshua, we're needy. We stand in a position of need. We face a very daunting task. And I don't need to rehearse all the things that are difficult about being a Christian in this world today. But we're dependent. What are we dependent on? We're dependent on the word of God. We hold to it. We read it. We meditate upon it. We learn it. We teach it. And we need to obey it. It is not possible to be an obedient Christian without knowledge of the word of God. If you're not reading the word every day, if you do not come to church to hear the word of God, if you do not engage with the word, you are challenging the fact that you are a believer of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and you cannot be a leader. How are you going to make decisions? How are you going to choose what is right? 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says that we are to, you know, that the word of God is to be our foundation. Elders are to know the word, be able to teach it. It's mandatory. And Joshua is the beginning of this process. And we have a fuller revelation in Jesus. That is an incredibly important point. Joshua listens to what God says through the priest and through the word. And we do the same through Christ and through his written word. Very important. Now, if you look in verse 2, we've only got to verse 2, and we'll skip through the rest quickly. It's an inc- this is, I, actually, if any word struck me more than anything, if I'm honest, it's this word in verse 2. And it's the word now. N-O-W. Big word, isn't it? So, I wrote these things down. Northern Ireland Assembly. I said that very right, but Northern Ireland. So the Northern Ireland Assembly is back up and running. I'm told that we're going to have an appending election, perhaps on the 7th of February here in Ireland. Brexit is to be completed legally at the end of the month. There is massive turmoil in the Middle East with Iran and Iraq and all the things that are happening. And we have climate change issues which are threatening the way that we traditionally want to live. So that's just for starters. My point is, this is a very important time. 2020, very important. And in biblical history, Joshua chapter 1 is a moment of profound significance. Moses has died. The last of the patriarchs, as it were, that saw God face to face has died. The leader that everybody respected has died, probably around 1240 BC. And what does God say? What is he saying to us in 2020? And again, we just need to be careful of how we apply it. But is he saying, now get ready to move? Now get ready. Now is the time for action. And for Joshua, now is today. Now is action But it's a word for us today in Jesus. And I was thinking about this. How do I apply this? How do I? Because if I just do what I've done here, then you say, well, look, it's just for Joshua. Now then, you and all these people, listen to that. Now then, you, Joshua, and all these people, that's the people of Israel. So that's me, that's you. 
if we are applying it rightly in Christ today. So I went to the Psalms. Psalm 95 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And in 3, chapter 12 here, or three, chapter 3, verse 12, it takes this very verse and applies it, saying, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. That's in Hebrews, by the way, Hebrews 3 and verse 12. So what the Bible does is it takes this command, this idea, and it takes it through to Matthew 28. Go into all the world. Go today. And through Jesus, Jesus, through these words to Joshua, is saying to us, now get ready. And so I want to read this, folks, to you as a summons to action. And I want to summons us to action in unity of purpose. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. I don't know what that means. I honestly don't. That's my problem. But what I think it means is that we are to be united as a congregation in our purpose of obedience to the word of God and of seeking what God wants us to do. And that's the summons. That is what he's saying to us today. And he's saying now, not putting it off, not making excuses, not saying it's too difficult out there, not saying we've too much baggage in the past. We sang last week, past put behind us for the future, take us, Lord of our lives, to live for Christ alone. So I want to say to me and to you, now, then, you and everybody here, let's get ready. That's a big challenge. But I think it's coming from God. So then if you go on and you'll look at the next thing, we'll see that we have God's promises. I think that's what's coming up. Yeah, God's promises, three to five. Not going to take long over these. God commits to give three things to them, the land, victory over enemies, and personal his personal presence. Three incredible promises which were to encourage him and the people to make preparations and to take the first step. I think the big issue here as well is that it's a promise of complete victory. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. It's a huge area actually and they never fully conquered it. I just want to read this quote that I got from somewhere else. In terms of the current political boundaries, the promised land would cover modern Israel, half of Iraq, the whole of Lebanon, part of Syria, and the whole of Kuwait. However, that, that, however, that area of land was never conquered uh, by God's people, even though the reign, through the reign of David and Solomon. So what are we to make of this? Calvin says that it's because of, your lazy, because of the people's laziness. And ultimately, it's because of fear and unbelief and lack of faith. You see, the limiting factor for me is always fear. It's always a fear of failing. It's always a fear of what others might say about me. It's a fear of being exposed, of being inadequate. It can be a love of a comfortable life, of being too busy, etc. But I always, but I positively want to say that we will always have all the resources we need to achieve whatever God asks us to do. God will do. God will do what we have, but we have to rely on his promises. That's what it says. I will give it to you. I will be with you. And I will look after your enemies. The question is, do we believe it? That's his promises. That's what he's saying to us. Now, what is that? And these commands that he gives us, the commands to be strong and courageous, that's the next part as well. I'm kind of just morphing these two things into one. We are to obey God's commands. You see, folks, I wondered what was going on in Joshua's mind at this moment. 
And it would seem, it doesn't say it here, but it would seem that he knows he is weak and he's feeling weak. And hence he's called to be strong. That he is afraid, that he's lacking courage. He's wanting to be safe. He's wanting to be back with Moses sitting in the tent with God's glory. And that's why God says to him repeatedly, isn't it? I mean, if you take anything away from this, you hear the words, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I think it said four times, so I say it once more. Be strong and courageous. Verse 9 is a verse that many of us have learned by heart, isn't it? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. And we say that when we face all these different issues that we have in life and in church. And in Christ Jesus, we have the same promises. And we've just spent Advent thinking about it. I will be with you. I am Emmanuel, God with you. And that's the challenge, folks. Where will it take us? What will happen in your life? What will happen in your family? What will happen in your work? What will happen where you live, work, and play? What will happen in this church? What ministries will we be able to do? What needy people will we be able to meet? But this is a summons. It's a commissioning. It's a challenge. And I pray that we will be obedient as these folks were. And lastly, just one picture to finish. And I couldn't find anything better than this. I make an apology for that. This is a check for one million pounds sterling. Apparently it was given to Wigan Athletic Boys and Girls Club. Okay. But you know the problem with that check? Is that that check is of no value. Because it's stuck in a, in a wall in some kind of case. It needs to be used and that is the challenge, isn't it? That is the challenge I've been wrestling with all this week. I mean, these promises are enormous. Our God is fantastic. But the challenge is huge. And his, the promises here are not just based on what God has done. Uh, the promises here are based on what God has done through the exodus and parting of the waves and bringing them through the wilderness and providing them the lamb and the manna. But we have Jesus risen from the dead, promising that he's making a mansion for us and that he's coming back to bring us with himself. And really what I need to be challenged with and what you need to be challenged with is do we believe this? And will we get ready when ordered? Because Joshua was when he started the journey. You'll see the word officers there in verse 10. The elders were. That's who the equivalent is today. The leaders of the church, the ministers, the elders. They were ready. They got themselves ready in light of the promises, in obedience to the commands. And the people. You can have a discussion in verse 18 why it says we'll be put to death. By the way, if you don't follow me, we're not going to put you to death because that's the old covenant. That's what happened. It doesn't happen today. But will you be part of what God is doing? The people were committed. They were wholehearted. They were united. They were obedient in their response. And that is what God is looking for. He's looking for a life that trusts and obeys the word of God. Verse 16. Let me just read it to finish. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. That's Jesus we're speaking to. And wherever you send us, we will go. That's Jesus we're speaking to. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whoever 
whatever you may command them will be put to death. In other words, they're, they're just excluded. Only be strong and courageous. Folks, and it's an adventure. It's a good adventure. And we're going to see over the weeks where it takes us. And I pray that God will help us to do what he wants us to do. Amen. Well, folks, we're going to give our offering to him. If you're visiting with us, you have no obligation to give. Uh, Just let the uh, bowl pass by you. um, And uh, we'll sing uh, another song, No Longer Slaves, as we worship God in our offering. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we come to an all-loving, all-powerful, and all-wise God, to whom we can come humbly and with confidence, knowing that he has promised that if we call on him, in his wisdom, he will answer. We pray for our church here as we set out at the beginning of a new year, asking that you will fill us with hope for what you can do. We ask for your forgiveness for our lack of faith. We commit every aspect of the ministry from the smallest child to the oldest person with whom we will have contact. May we, as St. Paul urged the Christians in Ephesus, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We pray for Sam and the eldership as they seek to guide us in the way of truth. We thank you that the talks to get the Northern Ireland Assembly have been successful and pray for the new administration that they will rule fairly and wisely. We remember our own government as it nears the end of its term of office, asking that the issues of housing and health will be high on the agenda in the future. We pray for those who at this very moment are lying in hospital trolleys whilst thanking God for our dedicated medical teams. We pray for the families of those who lost their lives in the plane crash in Iran and ask for a new peace in the Middle East. We thank you for your protection for Ban's family in Basra and for her safe arrival back to Dublin. We pray your continued blessing and protection for her family as they serve you. We ask your blessing on the Christians in all war-torn areas of the world, that they will be examples of your love. We thank you that Ken Galanders is safely over his hip replacement surgery and pray for his continued healing. We pray for Karen and Ramon as they have this break, asking for good health for them both as they will go back to serve you in Mexico. We remember Alan and Heather Moore as they start a new term in Spain. And we commit to you today the family of Pastor Park's wife, whose brother died in South Korea. We pray for his family and for his widow and his young children. Pray, Lord, that they will lean on your everlasting arms and know your great comfort at this time. Be with them, we pray. These are prayers we offer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thanks, Winnie. Um, this last song is a new song, and it's, uh, you know, we've sung it before, yet not I, but Christ, uh, but through Christ. Um, and that's really how we will achieve what God wants us to achieve. And um, as when he was praying, and as I was thinking there, I, I suppose for myself, sometimes I feel the burden of this. I, I feel the kind of, you know, the responsibility of, of how are we to live well. Um, and I suppose what I want to say to you as I was thinking there, is that our destination is secure. You know, I mean, the promised land was taken, but also when Jesus rose from the dead, our destination of heaven is secure. So we work in all of these things with that hope and with that truth in front of us. So I hope that we'll not, I think we'll be challenged, but I hope that we will be encouraged that to say that it's worth it, it's worth it, because we know where we're going and we're assured of the reality of heaven.
So let's stand to sing what a gift of grace is Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.